You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, how Shung of Save My Sense reached financial independence by 31 years old. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. If you're new to this programming, to the to Journey to Launch, you're called a journeyer now. If you started listening, that's what you are. But if you are just, you're an old timer, meaning you've been listening, you are on this journey, you already know that. So I just want to welcome you to this episode of the podcast and to coming every week. Most of you guys are like faithfully tuning in and I really appreciate it. On this week's episode, we are going to talk to someone who actually reached financial independence, and they're actually still working. I love stories like this because I love to actually talk to people who have reached it and then really dig deep to what they actually did to accomplish such a feat at such a young age. So Shung did this by 31 years old. And also, so we can all take tidbits and tips on what we can apply to our own journey. So just a little bit more about Shung. Shung at 31 years old reached financial independence. She still works, but she has the ability to retire early. But again, she's still working. She realized that she could dedicate more of her life towards giving away the rest of her wealth and teaching others how to grow their own wealth through her platform, Save My Sense. She's very active on Instagram. I love her Instagram account because she's so real and giving with her information. So you should definitely follow her there at Save My Sense. And in general, I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. So this is episode 122. Wow, I can't believe we're at episode 122. So if you want anything that we mention, if things are kind of for talking fast and you didn't get to write anything down, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 122. That's journeytolaunch.com slash episode 122. Or wherever you're listening to this, it should have a description and it should have the link right there. Now, I have to say, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Wherever you hang out, just follow me because then you get actually just more up-to-date stuff in case you miss a podcast episode or you just want to keep in touch. So I'm Journey to Launch on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Now, let's hop into this conversation with Shung. Hey, Journeyers. Okay, so I'm bringing you what I think is going to be a very insightful, interesting, and exciting conversation with someone that I actually love watching on Instagram. <laughs> she has like the best Instagram account. Um, her name is Shang Shavedra. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, good. And there are a lot of personal finance accounts, and yours stands out the most for me because you really like share your journey. And you actually already reached financial independence. So you have a unique view because you're in the space still. You're like choosing to help people who are on their journey. And then you also just share a lot. And so I think it's pretty cool. And you're very like upfront with your views. And by the way, her uh, Instagram is Save My Sense. So you can check that out. I'll link all that in the show notes, of course. But I was like, I have to have Sean on the show so she can share more of her journey, how she got to where she is because you reached financial independence pretty young, right? And then you're doing so much more. So let's just hop right in. So welcome to the show, Shung. Thank you, Jamila. And also, I wanted to add, um, Jamila and I ran into each other at a book launch event, completely unplanned. And 
I'm so glad we got to connect both offline and online. Like it just makes us so much more real to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think those are great. Cause you know, I often interview people that I've never actually met in person yet. So it's cool when I actually like I've met, even if it's just for like a quick passing, that's like, we actually like, it's real. Like you're a real person. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, so the big question is how did you reach financial independence by the age of 31? Yeah. I mean, first off, I, I do want to give a lot of credit to my parents. You know, as you say, you know, money habits can be passed down by generation. I was very lucky. And I graduated college with no debt because um, my parents helped pay for it. And then I also went to grad school. I went to an MBA program where um, my parents helped out somewhat and I also got scholarships. So in combination, I, by my calculation, I, that probably puts me like six, seven years ahead of people who had to completely finance their higher education. So um, definitely, this was not just the job of one person. It came with the support of my parents behind me. But I would say on top of that, I would say when I was younger, I was greedy. I wanted to do well financially. And I knew from my very frugal parents that to do well financially not only meant you know, earning a good income, but also not spending it all away. So I, I, I would say the, the core of what I did over, call it 10 years after graduating college, is increase your income, decrease or try not to inflate your lifestyle and your spending and, and spend as little as you can. And there's lots of hacking that I can get into about how I did that. And then take the savings and invest it. That's the third pillar. You got it. You got it to invest. Um, had a good run through the stock market. I invested during the recession too. So I've seen the, both the ups and downs of investing. And basically by the time that I reached age 31, we looked at, and my husband and I together, we, we both did this. We looked at the amount that we had invested and said, look, you know, if we were to move to, you know, a not high cost city today, so not New York, but move to, you know, um, uh, you know, median cost city in the United States, we can live off the growth of our retirement assets. So that is what people today call financial independence, retire early. Now, I'm a little bit older than 31 now. I'm in my 30s. I don't really review my age, but people can guess. After a few years, our assets grew even more that now we could even realistically retire early in New York City if we wanted to. And you're still working at that, right? Like, and so I want to get into like your career and why you choose to still work and be so involved in the space. But I do want to go back to your background, right? Because mm -hmm. I find that it's great one, like put it all like out there, like what it was actually that helped you get to where you are and acknowledging like the help of your parents. And I always do that too. Like my mom is a single mom, how much she put me on a strong footing to be able to do what I did. But I also like to also go back just a little peek into our parents' lives because I know for my mom, she didn't have it like easy. She had to really work to put me mm -hmm. like where I am, you know? And so I, sometimes I feel people may feel like, oh, well then, you know, like lucky for you, but it's just like, no, my, like my family worked hard to do that for me. Um, so what is your yeah. like cultural background? I know you said that you said, you know, they were frugal. So I'm assuming that oh, that was also helpful uh, learning growing yeah. up, right? Yeah, actually, I mean, my family is, um, I would call it a rags to riches kind of story. I mean, it's not like my parents are gazillionaires, but they're quite well off now. My parents grew up in the context of the cultural revolution in China. And for those who do not know, it's a very violent time during which most of China's elite thinkers were um, wiped out. 
the parents were considered part of the peasant class, the farming class. They, they had nothing. So, you know, they were not the target of any of the violence, but they also had nothing. In fact, the colleges and all the high schools were, were all shut down during the time when my parents were of high school age. My father, he thirsted for an education. He studied in secret. When the Cultural Revolution was over, he tested number one out of 10 million people. And that landed him a full ride to um, uh, essentially what's considered today the MIT of China. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was incredible. And then from that, from that point onwards, you know, he became a professor. He was able to um, immigrate into the United States with my mom and myself. I, I was already born at that time. And then he was smart. He was very calculated. He had a meager professor's salary, but he saved. He was so frugal. I mean, he and my mom knew how to live on very, very little. And then he also side hustled. As a professor, you can also side hustle and brought in more money and learned to invest. And that built the basis of what I had learned today as well, is just watching my parents go through all that sacrifice at the same time. Wow, how amazing. I mean, such a like story. And I always say that. I always like to, even though we might have had help and some privilege in our situations. I always like going back another generation because just so that if people currently listening feel like, oh, I didn't have that. It's like, but that still doesn't mean that you can't create that. You know, like it's still, you are then maybe this foundation generation that then helps like your family, your, your kids or future kids or family to up level and like reach these goals. Like it's possible. Um, so it's great. So you reach financial independence and you still work. So one of the things that like, I think, and I love talking to people who've actually like reached it um, because, you know, a lot of times like, you know, I'm talking to people who are still on the journey. I'm still on the journey. And we mm-hmm. think that once you hit that number, well, I know this, I mean, I try to tell people this, that hitting that number, rainbows don't appear and <laughs> birds don't fly. <laughs> like you're still you. Um, and that's why it's about the journey because the money won't solve your problems. I mean, I know it's hard to hear for people who don't, feel like they have it. Um, they're like, what well, that's easy for you to say money won't solve your problems. Right. But it's like literally mm-hmm. you're there. So you still choose to work. So I want you to kind of talk about what that feels like to be like financially independent, but still choose to work. Absolutely. I mean, I do want to acknowledge there is a minimum standard of living that would make people comfortable and safe and, and healthy and all of that. And, and money allows you to buy that. So I never say that, you know, money shouldn't matter. I do believe money matters. And that's why I'm so passionate about spreading the word about what I do. But on top of that, um, yeah, when my husband and I reached that fire goal, we're like, okay, now what? Keep going. Because we both realize with great power comes great responsibility. I talk a lot about my in-laws. So while my parents have their retirement, my in-laws, unfortunately, and I love them to death, you know, due to unfortunate circumstances in their lives, they do not have a retirement. So we would now like to make sure that they retire comfortably because they brought up an amazing man in the form of my husband. I call him Mr. Save My Son. He's amazing. His parents deserve a comfortable retirement. Then on top of that, um, because I have been coaching and talking to people who are figuring out how to pay off, you know, student loan debt and many other kinds of debt too, but student loan debt really touches a nerve in me. Because I value education and I think it is so sad that so many people are so burdened in order to get a quality education. So I'm also passionate and my life goal would be to establish a philanthropic scholarship fund with all excess wealth that I have 
to just give that away over my lifetime and after death to people um, who wish to become educated. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, did you know you were working towards like financial independence when you were in your 20s doing this? Did you know what it, what it was when you were doing it? No, no. I mean, again, like I said, in my 20s, I was greedy. That, that's all I care about was to get rich. It wasn't until my 30s when I began thinking of other people and actually recently blogged about that, too. I would say in my 20s, it was I, I just because I was very calculated and, and analytic, I knew the reality was that I needed to save for retirement. But that was the original idea is save for a nice, comfy retirement. In my late 20s, when Mr. Save My Sons and I got married, he presented to me the idea of, hey, you know, we both want kids. How would you like the idea of never letting the lack of federally mandated maternity leave, um, paid maternity leave, not bother you? Like, what if we could flex at any time down to one income and be completely okay? And it doesn't have to be my income. It could be his income too. He left it open-ended. And I thought, that is crazy. I've never heard of that. But we figured it out. We, we learned to live off the lower of our two incomes. We made it work. And then later, as the assets that we invested started growing, I started learning about fire bloggers, the most uh, famous of them being Mr. Money Mustache. Because my friends were like, you got to read this guy's blog. And that's when I realized, wait, actually, I'm doing something that other people call financial independence retire early. But I had never put this word, this noun against it. I always just assumed I'm just doing this to try to buy more freedom. Mm-hmm. Now, and I just think it's fascinating because you didn't really have a reference point. I mean, maybe you had friends who were also as ambitious, but it's like you just internally, um, you know, did this. And obviously it put you on an amazing path to be where you are. Now, you had recently said on your Instagram that you feel like although like you accomplished a lot in your 20s and you, you saved a lot, it came with like a consequence. Like you realized that it wasn't necessarily healthy, right? You brought up greedy already. And, you know, yeah. I read that and I was like, that's your reality and that's truth. It helped, this greed helped like really make you focus, right? And reach this goal so mm-hmm. early. So while it's not something you necessarily may be proud of, it's like, maybe it it was, I don't want to say necessary, but <laughs> what do you feel? Was it, did, could you have reached where you are today without that kind of mindset? Yeah, I probably could have reached where I am today, maybe a little bit slower. I, I think I pushed myself so hard in my 20s because I set an artificial deadline. I had this grand idea that I was going to make the Forbes 30 on their 30 list for some reason or another. I don't know. It got in, it, The idea got planted into my mind. Many of my friends were on that list. I was like, if they can do it, so can I. And that kind of ignited a competitive spirit in me. And that's sort of where my, my, my artificial timeline came into being. I would say that was not the most healthy thing. But at the same time, I also promote the idea of not living too much in the past and not too regretting your past mistakes. I acknowledge that I have made mistakes and that perhaps I should have paid more attention to my friends or invested more in relationships. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I learned that and I will do better going forward in a new season in life. And doing my best is really all that I can do at this point. Right. All right. Now it seems like you are, your career, can you share what you currently do? Like what's your track and career? Sure. By day I am what is called a management consultant. And by night, my passion project, which is how Save My Sense got started, is that I help coach other people to financial freedom, whether it is paying back debt or even just figuring out how to budget. It just depends on the people who approach me for help. Management consulting is just a fancy word 
for saying, oh, I'm someone who likes to analyze and research a lot of things and help other companies figure out an answer to a strategic question. And I do a lot of my research in the retail and consumer industry. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming like your income has allowed you to make these strides in your finances. And so I always encourage people to, yes, expenses are important. It's usually the easiest, kind of, if you have the discipline to, Mm -hmm. to attack, but really it's your income that can drive and really push you forward. So what do you say to some people who might be earning good income? No, they can, they maybe are under earning what they can do to maximize that, like what you've done in your career. Because I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've put it out with colleagues that maybe have not gotten as far as you have. What can you give to people to help them also increase their income? Yeah. And also, I do want to emphasize, if you can't uh, live below your means now, even when you have more money, you you won't be able to do that. So you 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 still have to control your expenses first. But once you control your expenses, absolutely, the focus should be on increasing your income. For me, I think it's adopting the mindset of, curiosity about a bunch of different things. You can start with your industry, start with reading articles about your industry, reading articles about your competitors and talking to other people. But I also just, I I have interest in different things. I have interest in entrepreneurship, in digital marketing, in many other areas that I'll just talk to people and network with people just to see, hey, how did you get to where you are today? Tell me your story. It's not one of those where like I constantly go to events, I have, you know, a drinking hand and I'm awkwardly shuffling around trying to meet people. I mean, I do that sometimes too, and I am a little awkward, but I love the concept of having a more intimate coffee chat with someone whose story I just think is super cool. That's one thing. That's building your network and building a knowledge. I spend a lot of my daytime reading you know, news feeds during my downtime. It's just, I, I just constantly read. And when you build up your knowledge and you build up your network, then you are well equipped to know where do you need to go? Because then you can leverage that network to get out of a bad working situation, negotiate for more income because you know, okay, maybe you're underpaid relative to other people in your sector or develop a business idea and become a business owner. There's so many different ways to increase income, but you got to stay open and you also got to also give during this time. It, it, this, is, this process is not about taking. It's actually counterintuitively about giving. The more you give, the more you're going to just naturally get out of life. Mm, love that. And one of the things that you do and I, and I talk about also and I've talked about in the past on the podcast is the mindset shift. And you also say this, instead of saying that you have to, say you get to. Because mm-hmm. that's so important with appreciating what is, even if it's not the ideal situation, but it's a situation that otherwise like could be different and it could be worse. And I, and I realized that, you know, anybody that's like accomplished something um, or come from something or their parents have come from something, like, it was because they adopted that attitude of, okay, like the curiosity, the I get to attitude, not that, that you can't have bad days or, you know, you, you don't like situations. Yeah. And like you said, it's counterintuitive because a lot of the, it's a lot of action steps to like reach financial independence, right? Like, so first things people want to do is like, oh, I just want to pay off debt. I want to earn more. I want to do all these things, which is great. But a lot of it yeah. starts with like internal, like the internal, your like self-worth and like how you view the world. Abundance thinking. Uh, I mean, I also didn't know that there's a word called abundance thinking. For me, it was just more like becoming less of a negative person, less of a perfectionist and being more open and forgiving of myself and loving myself at the end of the day. I actually, and I, and I totally recommend this, 
I had a therapist. I had a therapist. I went to therapy for two years to fix a lot of distorted views that I had about myself, including that crazy view that I thought I had to make it to the Forbes 30 under 30 list by the time I was 30. And therapy is great. You don't need to have a mental health diagnosis to go. I think everyone can benefit from an investment in their mental health because your mind controls everything. Your thoughts control your actions. Your thoughts control how you set your goals, how you want to go about achieving your goals. So make sure that you are your biggest champion. The way that you talk to yourself, make sure that you are not the one talking yourself down because if you do it, then no one else is going to work harder and, and support you, right? You, the, the strength has to come from within. Mm-hmm. And what also can be counterintuitive for people on this journey is that a lot of it does take investing outside. Like I always say, yes, it's great to invest in the markets and pay down debt, like super important. Those are the foundational kind of steps to take. But investing, like you said, in therapy or investing in education, and I'm not talking about like going, like getting debt again, right? Like and making things worse. Yeah. But I'm talking about like really like being willing to invest in yourself. And sometimes I find that in the financial independent space, particularly not necessarily the personal finance space, but like the subsegment is that mm-hmm. th- it is guided by a scarcity mindset a little bit because it's all about like how much can you save and like, and again, not everyone, but this is just my perception sometimes. It's like you mm-hmm. want to save and be super frugal. It's a lot of like a mindset to me that sometimes the outside world who's looking in at like the financial independence movement might get a little turned off because it just seems like, like these people don't have fun and we know that's not true right like (laughs) value spending right it's value spending that people are doing you know but sometimes I think that it can go also too far the other way where it's like that analogy where it's like with a close when a fist is close too tight I think it goes like money Mm -hmm. can't go in and money can't go out right yeah but I also think people have different tolerances for example Mr. Save My Sense is more frugal than I am there there's stuff that I love eating out that he totally doesn't care about at all. So even within our own household, there there continues to be friction over how much do we want to spend our nights to have money, for example. And I would say learn what you can from everyone that's in this space, but decide for yourself what you're comfortable with. And some people are comfortable with being super, super frugal off the grid, generate their own electricity by you know ha- hiring a bunch of hamsters and run around the house. And some people like myself want to live in New York City for quite some time and uh, might indulge in a nice piece of real estate out here. So as long as you are happy with the goals that you end up setting, I think that's what keeps people going. I hear a lot from people who, once they achieve paying down all their like non-mortgage debt, they're like, now what? Okay, now I got to save. And then the foot is off the gas pedal because you were so intense about being frugal and getting rid of your debt and suddenly you're debt free. And it's as if all the chains are off. And it's harder to remain in focus. And for me, it's always about, well, just make the goal bigger or make the goal happier, make the goal more impactful. Even two years ago, this scholarship idea never crossed my mind. I was just like, okay, we're financially independent. And eventually, you know, I'm going to have a kid and that kid's going to get their college paid for a loop-de-doo and I've made it in life. I never thought about anything bigger than that. And so be open to change. And share too, right? the more you receive. So one of the things that you kind of mentioned is that before you think about, oh, when you have a child, you know, you can help them the way your parents helped you and you are expecting. So congratulations. Thank how, you. How has that 
change your perspective on this financial independence place that you're in? Do some of your money goals change at this point? How does that, growing a family, how does yeah. that change your goals? Yeah. Uh, well, the kid is not yet out yet. He's, he's being contained inside yes. and it's very <laughs> easy to carry him around. But definitely, I would say, um, this would say my sense and I always approach it in terms of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs with like emotional safety at the very bottom being that. So we're like, what can we provide that is more than just money? That's where we're going to focus our attention first. So we both agreed on the values that we want to pass on and what does that mean? You know, we could change our careers, but both our careers are so flexible now that we could, you know, be at home at a reasonable hour and watch the kid and not have to travel an insane amount. That's important to us. So that's what we decided on the career side. On the money side, getting to fire is amazing because I've decided to, for, for the time being, I, my mind might change, but I've decided for now to take a one-year maternity break. I'm not getting paid for all of it, but I can financially get myself through it. So that's incredible. And then on the health side, well, you know, pregnancy has its side effects and I'm dealing with a lot of back pain. I am spending uh, some time and in investing money into physical therapy, which is not something that I normally would have done. I would have like, oh, it's an ache. I can work myself through it. But I realized, you know, because the baby's health is so important to me and my own health is important to me, this is something that I'm willing to spend my money towards. Um, this baby is an IVF baby. During the time that I went to the hospital to get my IVF treatments, I mean, some of the hours were brutal. Like you go get your blood drawn at 6.30 a.m. in the morning. I am groggy at that time. So I, sometimes I decided to take a cab because I also recognized by being too fatigued during, during the treatment was also not going to do my body any good. So I would say most of our health spending has shifted a little bit more towards health. And that's a big value for us. In terms of other things, we haven't thought about it yet. I don't, I don't have a plan. But because Mr. Safe My Sense and I are uh, big on education, we do have a fund set aside for the child to go to college. That is that is one thing that we are very willing to spend on. Mm, nice. For anyone listening and they're on the journey, they want to maybe fast track it. That's the one thing about this. This is like once you get on it, you're just like, oh, you you know, you want to reach where you are, right? Like you want to have these these options. What are some ways, what are some things they can do to really, I don't want to even say fast track, but help mm-hmm. them get to their goals faster and more efficiently? What are some, what are mm-hmm. some practical advice uh, that you can give? Yeah, I think for me, the mindset change has to come first. It's more positivity towards yourself, but also surrounding yourself with positive influences. I did used to, you know, I subscribe to all the email marketing from all the stores and I followed Instagram influencers and foodie bloggers and everything. And all of that was just so tempting. And I didn't realize I was being triggered every day to want to spend on that stuff. And even if I didn't spend, it it made me feel bad. So watch how you, how you talk to yourself, watch who you allow uh, to influence in your life. Then the more practical thing, number one, get your housing costs down. I don't know how, I don't care how you decide to do it, but I've known of people in New York who live in tiny, 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 tiny spaces with plenty of roommates to get their rents down. Um, we had a tiny apartment to start out our marriage and uh, lowering your transportation costs is also another big uh, reduction. And then side hustling. I, when I'm younger, I'm, I'm not as afraid of the long hours. I had a 
another side hustle. And the amount of money that I earned from that side hustle was incredible and also really helped jumpstart my, my wealth building at that time. Can I ask you what that side hustle was? I was a professional wedding photographer. Oh, nice, nice. I mean, and so with that, how did you decide that that was going to be your side hustle? Because that's another thing people face is figuring out what that side hustle is to earn money. And I always say, you don't want necessarily to be something with a lot of startup costs and that's going to stress you out even more than maybe you're already kind of going through. So what are your tips on that? I was very lucky in that ever since I was a teenager, I'd had a camera in my hand. It was just a hobby that I really loved. So on the technical side, I already knew how to be a photographer. And that's actually very important. In any side hustle you do, you should actually know how to do the thing that you're trying to do. You you ideally should bring some expertise or some creativity to the table. Then, because I recognize that the photography industry, this is not a critique of it in any way, but it's mostly made up of artists, artists who don't have business training, whereas I had a business training background. So the art of the sale, getting people in the door, getting people um, marketing to people, setting the right pricing, that came much more naturally to me. So it was a competitive advantage. Then I looked at the margins. How much profit am I going to make from a typical wedding? It's pretty good. I mean, it, like you're not going to see these kind of margins like, you know, selling food at the supermarket, which is, you know, some of my clients today. So all of those factors were all good. And that's why I decided to do it. For other people struggling to figure out a side hustle, I mean, there, there's basically three ways to use your time. Either you have bodily strength, so you can move stuff around and you're good with like fixing things. You have mental strength. So, you know, use your brain to do something like consulting or tutoring or teaching or whatever, or you have creativity strength. So you can build something, you can create something aesthetically beautiful that other people want. And I think those are usually the three vectors that I think about when it comes to the side hustle is make sure you you follow a strength and then make sure it's profitable. Yeah, no, those are really good tips and breaking it down in those three segments are, um, I think it's good to visualize because then someone can think, okay, what am I actually good at? What do I have a skill set in already now? Mm-hmm. So you have Save My Sense. It's something that you do on top of everything else, you know, like your, your full-time job. And this is more your passion project you would consider, right? Absolutely. I don't make money from this. I do charge people fees for what I do, but basically all the profits are given away throughout the year as well. And I want to talk about that because I find like in the personal finance, so now, you know, you're in the personal finance space as a content creator. And even though it's a passion project, it's, you know, it's still like a, a business in a sense because, you know, you're charging, even though you're giving the money um, back. But I find that it's important to charge people. So when I first came into the space, right, like it was I'm helping people and, you know, I want to give all this information for free. And then I realized that like a lot of times, like people wouldn't value and implement on like the free, they had to have some skin in the game. And they say like, you know, the transformation is in the transaction, but it still can be a little counterintuitive because that's why I feel like there's so many online marketers because it's easier to sell people like on the idea that I can make you, I can help you make money, right? Versus mm-hmm. I think in the personal finance space, what we do is very important, but sometimes people don't see the value in paying for someone to help them save money. And in that sense, so have you come across that where you feel like, you know what, it's, I have to charge because it actually helps my clients get the results they want. Yeah, I do use the fees as an incentive. And I'll lay it out very clear. There's a startup fee, which is a sliding scale based on your current household income. And I do provide a lot of scholarships to low-income people. Then there's a monthly fee. Right now, it's $20 a month. But if you 
repeat the good behavior that I'm trying to teach you by completing this very small homework that I send out at the end of the month on time, you get $10 of that back to you. And it often has very little to do with whether they paid any money to debt. It has no relation to that. It's just a homework and email that they have to respond to. But the whole goal is I'm using the fee as an incentive and as a motivator to teach people to have good habits. Because good habits and personal finance can lead to success. But that consistency has to be learned. And so uh, I found the fee to be uh, to be helpful in that aspect. And I do try to make it as accessible as possible. But yeah, I also, you know, I often thought about, you know, is that the right fee to charge? Uh, should you do something else? Should you, you know, run a scholarship contest? I don't know. There's definitely a lot of ideas up in this brain. But for now, there's plenty of people asking for my help. So I don't try to change what's not broken, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to like touch upon that because I find that since I, I'm around now, so many uh, personal people in the personal finance space who actually it's a business for them to take their time to do this. It's just mm-hmm. that I've come across and I like asking you guys that. So in general, you know, I know you already gave like lots of great tips for people to implement and to think about. And some of the things were like getting your housing expenses down. That's one of your highest transportation down side hustling mm-hmm. and mindset. Like that's super important. In terms of, for you, things that you wish you did differently, if there's anything, like now that you're on the other side, because again, I think that you're like in an ideal situation that a lot of people want to be in that, you know, you're still working, but you can walk Mm -hmm. away if you wanted to. And, you know, like for yourself, like you're about to have a baby and you can take as much time as you want. Like that is to me the dream for everyone and like hope for that everyone can at least reach to have that kind of option. So on the mm-hmm. other side of it, are there things you're like, I mean, I know you already talked about greed in your 20s, but is there some other things that you reflect on? And now that you are where you are, you want more people to know that are on this journey so like it can help them? <laughs> I wish I exercised a little bit more. <laughs> I'm not I'm not the most fit person in the world. I have wonderful genetics to thank for my body frame, but that's about it. I, I also wish that I discovered mental health earlier because it wasn't presented to me in a very attractive way in my family. And I think this is very common across many families. Mental health is a a stigma. Like you don't want to talk about depression or having anxiety or things like that. And if you have it, the, the attitude that, you know, my family has always had is get over it. There's no such idea of like seeking someone else to help you out. And I missed out on the benefits of therapy and treating my mental health all through my early 20s. And during my college years, there were definitely people that I didn't treat well because I didn't know how to responsibly react to a triggering situation. So that's perhaps something that I wish could have happened earlier, but I have been, knock on wood again, very lucky in that nothing too crazy has happened to me either that has made me go, wow, like I really need to change everything about what I do but I hope that I can continue to prepare for things like that going forward. Yeah, I think you're right. Like prioritizing mental health is a form of, you know, wealth, right? Like <laughs> greatest asset outside of everything else. Like you have to take care of yourself mentally, physically and all those things. And sometimes we end up not focusing on that, and putting it off for the sake of like, you know, maybe being too hyper-focused on like money and money is great, right? But there's more to life than just that. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So tell everyone where they can find you and how they can follow up with you. Yeah. 
My Instagram is where I hang out most of the time. It's instagram.com slash save my sense. All one word. I also have a blog. I, I don't blog too much these days. Savemysense.com. And there's also ways to email me. Feel free to message me. I, I try to get back to everyone or I try to, you know, aggregate questions and answer them all in one go. I, I definitely love hearing from people and, and seeing how I can help. Yeah. And guys, she really like answers like questions. Like it's really, really great. And it's um, amazing what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Shung and it gave you more fuel for your rocket to launch the financial independence. I really loved how she dove more into her background and talked about giving wealth away and knowledge, right? Like wealth is also knowledge and relationships and how she talked about how she changed her relationship with money and people in order to create a place and space for herself to build more wealth. So again, if you want the episode show notes, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 122. And as always, let me know what you thought of the episode. Basically, what stood out for you? What are you going to implement in your life? What is something that you're going to do, right? I love making you think about action. So I love you being inspired by this stuff. Obviously, that's like why I do this, but I want you to take action. So tell me what you're going to do or tell me a part that stuck out for you in this episode. If you missed your opportunity to sign up to be a Money Launch Club member, so that's what, if you're listening to this and you love this content, if you want even more, if you want to go deeper, you need to be a member of the Money Launch Club. So go to moneylaunchclub.com. Right now, doors are closed because we're doing some amazing things with inside the membership. But if you want to learn more and be the first to be notified when doors are open, sign up. Go to moneylaunchclub.com. Make sure, again, you're following me at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to review, rate, or subscribe wherever you listen to this. So you probably have the option to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. So it's free. Make sure you're doing that so you don't miss an episode. No matter where you listen, I'm always grateful. But if you are happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, so if you have an Apple phone, an iPhone, it's that purple app on your phone, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I read every single review. It keeps me motivated because you took the time out to do it. And I really really appreciate it. So until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers.